Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 28 today. <clears throat> the title of this final message in the series, Happiness in God's Plan. Our text is Romans eight twenty-eight. On any other day, right after lunch, Amanda would have been sitting with Cassie in the school library where most of the killings took place in Columbine, Colorado on April the 20th, 1999. Amanda had been waiting to meet some friends in the cafeteria, but they never showed up, which was strange, she said. A girl Amanda knew from work asked if she wanted to go out for lunch. She really wasn't even a friend, Amanda says. I thought, I shouldn't go because I'm supposed to meet friends, but instead I said, sure, why not? Then I thought, I've got to be back in time to meet Cassie to study in the library, but I didn't say anything. We went to Taco Bell. I spilled taco sauce on my white t-shirt, says Amanda. I thought, no big deal, I'll just wear my coat and no one will see the stain. But what I said was, could we stop at my house so I can get a clean shirt? By the time they got back to school, two high school seniors, Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris, had entered the building shooting innocent people, including Amanda's friend, Cassie Bernal, who was killed. Students were running from the building. People were shouting and screaming. Something was obviously wrong, says Amanda, but I didn't know what. When it was all over, the two had killed 12 students and one teacher, injuring 21 more before taking their own lives. That was the only day that Amanda left school for lunch for the whole school year. Amanda's mom believes that God spared her life. Says Amanda, I feel like all of this is preparation for something. That day, Amanda was detoured. And in the detour, She found God's will and God's protection for her life. We've been looking at the appointments God makes for our lives, knowing that he has a plan for each of us. Job was one who expected the truth that God's plan does, experienced the truth that God's plan does not always feel good to us. He lost his wealth, his health, and his family, yet his confidence in God's plan was sure. He says in Job 23, 14, for he will complete what he appoints for me. All of us have times in life when the way God directs does not seem like the route we would have taken. If we had chosen a route, we would not have chosen the roadblocks. We would not have chosen the detours, but God had different plans. How can we be happy or find joy when the plan of God has stopped us in our tracks or found us navigating stormy seas that we would not have navigated otherwise. 
Well, here's God's Word on the detours and every part of our lives, whether detoured or not. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. Well, let's begin this by looking at the things that are working for my good. When we think of ourselves as children and God as our Father, we see how things that are best for us do not always feel like they're best for us. I watch my grandchildren growing up. That's uh, little Emerson, by the way, at an unhappy moment. I think that picture is just adorable. <clears throat> but I watched my grandchildren growing up, and I remember the times when Jan and I were shaping our sons' lives. Our sons are not children anymore. There's, the oldest is 37, and the next is 35, and the youngest is 31. But Bradford, uh, Harper, and Emerson, and Avery take us back in time every time that we are with them. There are plenty of times when Nathan, Matthew, or Paul had a need, and to meet the need, decisions were made or actions were taken that didn't seem pleasing to them. No, you can't were words that um, they could hear. My grandchildren are the same way. Even when Daddy and Mommy are working for their good, it doesn't always feel good. To underscore Romans 8, 28, we read the words from God through Ezra in Ezra 8, verse 22, the hand of our God is good on all we who seek Him, and the power of His wrath is against all who forsake Him. There are three aspects of Romans 8, 28 that will help us to see how God is working for our good and working for our good all the time and at all times. First of all, very simply, God is good. Now, we have a hard time seeing the good of God, or the society has a hard time seeing the good of God, and there's a reason for that. God has been removed from having a public presence in a lot of places today. He's been removed from having a presence uh, in public education today. And there are those of you sitting in this room who are involved in the public school system, and you know how carefully you have to walk around matters of faith. You have to tread lightly today. We've seen the courts rule against prayer in school, and we've seen them rule against football, uh, uh, prayer before a football game, or we've seen Christian holidays that now must be celebrated in secular ways rather than uh, for the religion or the, the Christian event upon which they are based. Now, this has been the norm for so long even though it's unacceptable, it has become accepted. <clears throat> and we know that's the way that it is. 25 years ago, it, I made a statement like I just made regarding God being systematically removed from public life. Well, there would have been an outcry. What do you mean? And it would have been huge. But over the years, <clears throat> we've gotten used to it a little bit, like the frog in the kettle. You throw the frog in cold and uh, throw the frog in the hot water and the frog jumps out. Throw the frog in cold water and he stays there as you turn the heat up until finally he's cooked and never realizes it. We've kind of been cooked. It's unacceptable 
to have God in schools and to have God in public places. And we know that today, and it's accepted. It's accepted until there is a tragedy and something horrific happens, something like Columbine in 1999 or something like Sandy Hook just a few years ago. And then there's the question. There's two questions. Here's the first question. Where was God? Here's the second question. Why did God let this happen? Please understand that God is always good to us. And it is we who are not good to Him. There are a lot of things that may happen that we say, well, why did God allow? When in fact, the ways of man has forced these things to happen. In addition to our text, consider these verses about the goodness and the graciousness of God all the time. James chapter 1 and verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow to change, a shadow due to change. First John 1 5, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. God is working for our good and the reason is because God is good. He's good all the time. God is genuinely good. If you ever think God is not good, rethink it and take a look at the mankind around you or the events around you and understand that a good God is a sovereign God, but it's oftentimes that we are not so good to God. Here's the second thing. Not only is God good, but God is working. Again, verse 828 of Romans, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Here's what the psalmist wrote, Psalm 121 and verse 4, behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God often has to wake us up. God had to wake you up this morning, didn't he? God often has to wake us up, but we never have to wake God up. We never have to say out loud, hey, God, are you asleep? What's wrong with you? Why can't you answer? Why, can't you, why don't you get a heads up and watch what's going on? God is awake, and he's on the job. He's on the job all the time. You can't be in a place or find a time when God is not available to you and is not working for you or working in you. Now, that can be one of two things. That can be very comforting or that can be very disturbing depending on how we live our lives. But you can be assured that God is working for your good because God is good and He is working. Here's one more thing that we learn from this text, and that is that God is calling. God is working for my good because God is good and God is working, and God is calling. He's always calling. Again, to our text, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. Now, there are callings of God. First of all, there's a calling of salvation. And with the call of salvation, there is a calling of life. In this series, you've heard us say that you are born with a purpose and you're born again to find that purpose. Everybody has a purpose in life. Everybody has a calling of life, and we have the privilege and the duty of working with God in His calling on our lives and not working against Him. 
we have a privilege and we have a duty to not only find and know God's calling on our lives, but to do God's calling on our lives. Ephesians 4.1, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk <clears throat> in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our work, our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before ages began. Now this series, little short series, has been about life and the life that God appoints for us, to, to find God's appointments for our lives and to do the thing that God has for us in life, and to have confidence in and joy in it. Not to be tentative about it and not to be sad about it, but have confidence and joy in it. God's plan and purpose for your life and mine is to work out things for good and for His glory all the time. You say, well, I, I don't I don't see how this thing that happened in my life can work out for good or glory. Well, you know what? Neither can Emerson see that telling her no is good for her. Neither could our children, when they had to be disciplined, neither could they see that it was good for them. And we are all in a childlike state before God. His ways are not our ways, and His thoughts are not our thoughts. We're different from God, and God is always working for our good whether we know it or not, and His understanding is perfect, and our understanding is deeply flawed. I don't see how some of the things have happened the way that they've happened. I don't understand it. But I will tell you this, I do know that God is good and He's working for my good all the time. So you know what I should do? I should obey God with a grateful heart. I should be grateful for how God is working in my life. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. This is a wonderful passage. I don't know if you've ever taken a life's verse, you know, a verse that you say, okay, this is going to be my, my motto. This is what I'm going to live by. This is, this is my mantra. <clears throat> this is it. Mine is Philippians 1.6. I, I shared that with you, uh, I, I guess, last Sunday. <clears throat> Mine is Philippians 1.6. Uh, 1 Thessalonians uh, uh, 5.18 is a wonderful, it is a wonderful life's verse. Everybody ought to think about having a life's verse just a go-to verse, a verse that you live by, a verse that says, okay, this is what drives me. This is not that the whole Word of God doesn't drive you, but this is the, this is the slice from the Word of God that really gets my attention and really causes me to, to uh, respond uh, in the way that I should. <clears throat> There's not a lot of interpretation to it. It just is what it is. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Here's what it's telling us. We have to live with grateful hearts whether the doors are opened or closed. We still have to live with grateful hearts. You you have heard it said probably 
that we follow God's will for our lives by walking through open doors and not forcing the doors that are closed. Remember the story that I told you at the beginning of the sermon about Amanda Meyer who wanted to have lunch with different friends than she had lunch with? She certainly didn't want to spill taco sauce on her shirt, but in the spilling of taco sauce on her shirt and having gone to to, uh, lunch with a friend different than she intended, something completely different happened in her life. So the door she planned to be open ended up being closed, but it was God's will for her life, and it was best for her life. And that is a vital to our understanding. We should be grateful for the open doors, and we should be grateful for the closed doors. None of us like doors closed in our face. None of us want to see a dream come to an end or a vision cast down. All of us want open doors all the time, but if you live by open doors all the time, you'd live a life of confusion because all doors can't be open. But if all doors were open, how could you know you were following God's plan for your life? When we find the door locked and no way to, to get it open, that's time to thank God for the closed door. God, I guess you didn't intend for this door to open for me, so that's fine. <clears throat> there's something for us in the door that's open, but there's something that's for us in the door that's closed. And we have to become and, and live in, with a grateful heart for doors that are closed. I don't have to tell you to be grateful for doors that are open, but I do have to remind you to be grateful for doors that are closed. So we should live with a grateful heart knowing that God is good. We live with a grateful heart when doors are open or when doors are closed. And also, we live with a grateful heart during times of opportunity and during times of obstacle. We live with a grateful heart. Recently, I was talking with someone in the ministry here about a challenge that had presented itself. Pretty good-sized challenge. And I shared with this person, I said, look, let me help you to understand something. Every obstacle has an opportunity. That'd be a good way to live life. For every obstacle, it doesn't matter what the obstacle is, for every obstacle, there is an opportunity. And all of us have obstacles in our lives. All of us have obstacles in, in our personal lives. We have obstacles in our family. We have obstacles in our careers. We have obstacles in our health. All of us have obstacles in our lives. But those obstacles are not there to just stop us. They're there to give God the opportunity to show us the opportunity that is before us. Just because there is an obstacle Unless you know the door is closed, just because there's an obstacle doesn't mean that there's not an opportunity there. Probably nobody here is going to know this name, but at the end of it, it'll make sense to you. There's a, the name of someone who lived many, many years ago. His name was Otto Rowetter, R-O-H-W-E-D-D-E-R. In the early 1900s, Otto set out to solve a problem. The problem was that slicing bread was very burdensome. It was very time-consuming. And sometimes it was dangerous. And so 
Otto wanted to solve the problem of how to slice bread. So in 1916, he built his first prototype of a bread slicing machine, and it was a colossal failure. He went back to the drawing board and sketched hundreds of blueprints. Then a fire burned his work, and and everything was lost in his study of how to slice bread safely and more efficiently. By 1927, he had built a new and an improved bread slicing machine, but no one showed any interest in it. It was a five-foot by three-foot monstrosity, and nobody wanted it. Finally, with a friend's financial help, and on July the 7th, 1928, the first loaf of commercial bread, sliced bread, was sold. A newspaper claimed that, <clears throat> ad claimed that bread, sliced bread was the greatest forward step in the baking industry since bread was wrapped, which fed to the saying, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Sales of the sliced bread took off. In the late 1930s, a New York company used Rowetter's machine to build an entire business around sliced bread. They called their product Wonder Bread. Now, here was a man who had obstacles that continued to look for the opportunity. And he continued to see the opportunity. To have happiness in God's plan... For our lives, we have to believe that He's working for our good, and we have to be grateful for open doors and closed doors, and we have to look at both obstacles and opportunities as being from God. And we should see those things and weigh those things out to see if God is leading through the obstacle or through the opportunity. So with a grateful heart, we look at doors that are open or closed, and we look at obstacles and opportunities, and we look at the things before us, whether they're pleasant or unpleasant with a grateful heart. There are times when the most unpleasant thing is God's will for our lives, and we look at it with a grateful heart. There are times when the most pleasant things, God's will for our lives, and we look at it with a grateful heart. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a great passage, a verse of Scripture. It's not my life's verse, but it was a verse that God gave to me at a difficult time in my life and ministry. I was having a really hard time in my life and ministry. And I remember sitting in my study at home, At that time, I had an old antique roll-top desk, and I was sitting there at that roll-top desk, and I saw that for the very first time. Oh, I'd read it before, but I saw it in a new light, and the reason that I saw it in a new light is because I was having a season of the soul, and God gave that to me. When it came to me, it was like drinking cool water on a hot summer's day. It was perfect for what was going on in my life. God was working for my good, and I was to have a grateful heart, whether the experience was good or unpleasant, pleasant or unpleasant. The presence of God should never be in doubt. 
You should never have a time in your life where you say, well, God missed this one. God doesn't miss things. He ne- we miss all kinds of things. And, and the mess that we're in today, pick the mess, okay? Just pick it. You pick it. The mess that we're in today is not because of God. It's because of us. It's because of the way that we respond to things. It's not his fault. God didn't partake of the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. Adam did. And so the fall of mankind, you can't pin on God. You pin it on Adam. He is with us and he, is, <clears throat> he upholds us. And, and our part is to lean on him and to let him take control of our lives. We're talking about how to find happiness in God's plan. First of all, believe that he's working for your good. Secondly, have a grateful heart. And here's the third thing and final. Wait for God's power. Isaiah 40, 31 is another one of those verses that's great to have for a life's verse. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is such a great verse. And it gives us three important ingredients for the life that we're living and how to live it in a powerful way and in a way that's truly blessed. First of all, slow down. That's simple, isn't it? Those that wait on the Lord, slow down. The word wait implies relaxing, allowing the course of things to come to pass. A life well lived, a ministry made strong, a testimony that will last does not spring up overnight. Oh, we do get excited about things that spring up overnight. Everybody gets excited about things that spring up overnight, no matter what it is. Restaurants, business, churches, churches, uh, fortunes, whatever it may be, potential for fortune. We love it when it springs up overnight. Let me tell you something. You may wake up one morning this spring and see out in your yard a circle of mushrooms. That's called a pixie ring. You may wake up and see a pixie ring, and it'll be kind of cool to go out there and look at that pixie ring. And some of you will take a picture of it and put it on Facebook. It's a pixie ring of mushrooms. And it just happened overnight. So exciting. Mushrooms in my front yard. A pixie ring. Let me tell you what you won't do. You won't wake up one morning and see a shade tree in your front yard. Wow. I woke up this morning and there was a shade tree where there had never been a shade tree before. Imagine that. Now put that on Facebook. That's something to brag about. There's a difference between the two. Now, this is not to kill our ambition or desire to accomplish great things, but but you have to give the things of God time to work. I want to say this, and, and you can argue with this if you want to. Just don't argue with me because it'll hurt my feelings. Look, I have been preaching for, since 1973. That's 43 years, right? I've been preaching for 43 years years. Now, now I want you to hear what I'm about to say. I have far more confidence in my preaching and what I'm delivering to you and what you're hearing and the soundness of it biblically and 
your ability to take something from it. And, and all, I'm far more confident with that than I was when I came here to be your pastor 24 years ago. I don't know, preacher, you seem pretty confident back then. You're right, I did seem pretty confident. But I have greater confidence today, and the reason that I have greater confidence today is because God's been growing me longer. Would somebody say it's a shame that youth is wasted on the young? But it's true. God has been growing me longer, and hopefully God's been growing you longer. Hopefully you're not a one-year-old with 50 years experience. Hopefully you're a 50-year-old or whatever it is you are. All of us will benefit in the will of God and doing the will of God when we wait for God's power and we slow down just a little bit and not get excited about every new pixie ring that shows up in the yard. Here's the second thing in waiting for God's power. Rise up. Slow down and rise up. That text said that we'll mount up with wings like eagles. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. There's a different perspective in the way that we live when we're waiting for God's power. We can mount up on eagle's wings. We can see life much differently than we do. When, when we feel weighed down by life, ask God to help us to rise up and <clears throat> see things differently. Most of us have heard our mothers say, things will be better in the morning. And most often they are. God shows you and me a view of of the plans that he has for us. You should get a different perspective once in a while. And God will give you a different perspective. In our backyard at our house, we have a, a, a kind of a tree line at the back. We're, we don't have a lot of trees in the yard, a few. But, but at the back, we have a, a tree line, and there's a, a tree there that beside that tree, there is built a... Um, well, it's not really a tree house. It's, a, it's kind of a, a platform. It's, it's, it's up on stilts and got steps going up to it. And it's, it's a play place for grandkids. And it was built uh, for Bradford. And <clears throat> just like most of the stuff that, you know, we have was for Bradford and now the others get to use it. And, and you know, we, we've got at our house, we have a secret room, which is a place in the attic that... Uh, you know, you, you wouldn't know how to get to it unless you knew how to get to it. <clears throat> There's a secret room. We have, uh, we have the place back there. Uh, it's been a pirate ship. That, that platform has been a pirate ship. And, and so you'll, you'll come by Pastor Ray's house and see a skull and crossbones flag flying from it. Uh, <clears throat> my wife bought that, uh, by the way. But uh, <clears throat> she did. And uh, she's one that puts it up. And, you know, she's a little bit... I, I can't, she's got a little pirate in her. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> there's, there's uh, that. Then I just discovered there's a new place. I didn't know that they had discovered this. It's called Bradford's Secret Laboratory. I didn't know that he had, and, and Harper calls it Bubba's Secret Lab. And <clears throat> Bubba's Secret Laboratory is under our house. 
I didn't realize that he'd ever been under there. But evidently, when Bradford's out in the yard by himself, he opens up the uh, crawl space under the house, and he goes in there. <clears throat> and you, you say, isn't he afraid of snakes? Not one bit. Not even a little bit. Uh, he's there's not even a little bit. But so I'll let's say this. <clears throat> that, that little platform that's, that's the pirate ship sometimes. I rarely go up there. But the other day, Emerson was there, and Emerson wanted to go up there. And Emerson's not two years old yet, so uh, I kind of went up, and she was kind of climbing the steps, and she got up there, and oh, boy, was she Miss Big Pete up there, just Miss Big Pete. And so I went up there and, and stood up there with her. And, and you know what's funny? Even though it's, it's probably eight or nine, no more than ten feet in the air, there's just a completely different perspective from up there. Have you all ever noticed that? You ever looked at, at a place from the balcony that you've always been on the floor and you looked at it from the balcony? It's just a completely different perspective. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, that's neither good nor bad, but, but you see things a lot differently from up there. Well, that's, that's what we're to do. We're to see things from a different perspective than we're seeing them. Our tendency is just to see things around us all the time around us. Rather than saying, God, I need, a, <clears throat> I need some wisdom. I need a different perspective. You say, well, can you do that? Well, here's what James 1.5 says. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. We're talking about how to find happiness in God's plan for our lives. Well, we have to remember that God is good all of the time. And in addition to that, we have to um, have a grateful heart. And we have to wait for God's power. And waiting for God's power means to slow down and to rise up. And here's a third thing, keep going. Again, that verse says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run, look at here, run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There'll be a time in your life and in mine where you just pick up one foot and place it in front of the other. That's what you do. You just pick up a foot and place it in front of the other. <clears throat> and a foot and place it in front of the other. I stopped by a Sunday school class this morning and some fine people in the Sunday school class. And I said, uh, all you folks doing all right? <clears throat> and one of <clears throat> the people in the class, it was ladies and, and some ladies that are older than me. And, and one of the ladies said, <clears throat> very graciously, she said, well, what should we do at this stage of life? And I said, one step at a time. One step at a time. There's going to be a time in your life <clears throat> when the only thing that keeps you going is taking one foot and putting it in front of another and another foot and putting it in front of another. There will be a time when that's the only thing that keeps you going. You say, will that be for the rest of my time once I get to that place? Oh, no, <clears throat> that comes and goes. Sometimes you'll be highly motivated, highly excited, highly blessed, but there'll be times when you just take one step 
and put it in front of the other. You know, that's how marriages are made, long-term marriages. Pastor Ray, you think you ought to date uh, that, that that's the key is, is uh, uh, that couples keep dating? Well, um, that's fine. You think it's, you know, it's romance? Well, that's fine. All, that, all that's fine. Let me, let me tell you what really gets you through a, a marriage, putting one step in front of the other and one step in front of the other and saying, this is who God called me to be married to. This is the walk that I'll take. And it's one step in front of the other. And you just keep on going. Same way in serving God. Same way in everything. One step in front of another. Let me finish with this illustration. On April the 21st, 2006, 47-year-old Julio Franco, I'm sure it's pronounced Franco, but Julio Franco became the oldest player in the Major League Baseball history. <clears throat> to hit a home run. <clears throat> That's amazing, 47. Do, uh, Mike, do you know the name Julio Franco? <clears throat> the oldest player to hit a home run at age 47. Just a week later, on April the 27th, he became the oldest player to steal a base in 97 years. <clears throat> Pretty amazing. Franco's longevity was met by suspicion from players and outsiders who doubted that he stayed in top shape <clears throat> through just natural training alone. In 2004, retired outfielder Andy Van Slyke accused Franco of using steroids. Franco's response is a good way to end this series. He said, tell Andy Van Slyke that he's right. I'm on the best juice there is. I'm juiced up every day, and the name of my juice is Jesus. I'm on his power, his wisdom, and his understanding. Andy Van Slyke is right, but the thing he didn't mention was the kind of steroids I'm on. Next time you talk to him, tell him the steroid that I'm on is Jesus of Nazareth. Amen? God has a life appointed for you. And if you want to live it all the way to the end and be in God's power and God's will all the way to the end, then the steroid to be on is the power of Jesus of Nazareth.